Thank you, James and Holly, so much for your faithfulness and your leadership here at, at Trinity. We continue our Woven Together sermon series today. We're going to focus on Woven Together in Vision. Our, our scripture finishes up the second chapter of Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. Hear these words. But now in Christ, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace. In his flesh he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall, that is, the hostility between us. He has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances that he might create himself one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace, and might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross, thus putting to death that hostility through it. So he came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him both of us have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers or aliens. You are citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God, built upon the foundations of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Last week we remembered and focused on Trinity's mission because of God's love for us through Jesus Christ, we exist to worship, grow, and serve. We focused on the ways we have lived into that mission over the past five years and how we have seen our ministry and mission at Trinity being realized around us. From caring for our children and youth and adults to reaching out beyond the walls of this church in mission and service to the people of Tallahassee and beyond, even to Africa through our Zoe ministry and to Guatemala with our Porch to Solomon ministry with Lloyd Monroe. A couple of Saturdays ago, we began to feel as if we were finally breaking through this crazy pandemic. We had a workshop taking place in the sanctuary on African-American music. At the same time, we had a men's conference taking place in Moore Hall for some of our churches of color in the area. And we also had a wedding shower going on in the parlor. I turned to Nick that morning and we just smiled. The church was buzzing again with activity, even diversity, and we felt as if it were coming back to life after this challenging time of isolation. Our children just this month are finally being able to receive the vaccine and our hope is that by Christmas Eve we may be able to be mask optional again in worship and be able to once again see each other's faces and smiles. Today we are focusing on Trinity's vision for the future. Our vision statement is printed on the front of your bulletin and it's simply this, Trinity will be a diverse Christian community shining as a beacon of God's love and actively engaged as the heart, the hands, and the feet of Christ in the world. 
I absolutely love the boldness of that vision, calling on each of us to be working together in unity toward a common goal. Those 400 people who gathered some five years ago to dream and vision for this church, to challenge each of us to be actively engaged as the heart, the hands, and the feet of Christ in the world. Our stewardship chair this year, John Harris, has a bold vision that every single person who is connected to Trinity in any way will participate in supporting the ministry and mission of this church. It is an all-hands-on-deck call, if you will, calling to each of us. We need to come together as the body of Christ. Our testimony at 945 was from a visitor to Trinity who already feels like a member but hasn't joined yet and found us online. And through the algorithms, got prompts to join us for worship online. We are the body of Christ, hearts, hands, and feet moving together in unity in the same direction. You know, everyone loves a good story about coming together, don't they? Whether it's in the movies or real life, whether it's a group of individual players on a sports team winning a championship, or whether it's a community banding together as we have in the past in times of natural disaster. We love these things because we are made for community, you see. Ramona's cousin, Jay Alter, is a sports commentator for ESPN and, and was in Tallahassee last Wednesday for the Knowles season opener against Penn State. He shared with us at breakfast the next morning that being able to call a live game after two years of being confined to the studio at ESPN headquarters in Bristol, Connecticut, he said Wednesday was such a gift. He said our FSU students and fans were electric. The unity of the team and the fans was absolutely magical. He loved every second of it. And of course, the victory for FSU was oh so sweet. Jay's icing on the cake was being able to call the game seated near his broadcasting hero, Gene Deckerhoff. And when meeting Gene for the first time Wednesday night, he said he told this legendary announcer that he has listened to every one of his recordings while he was in school in Syracuse as a, as a broadcast journalism major, major and even before. And he told me that, that Deckerhoff is absolutely the best. He was almost at a loss for words to describe his experience of meeting him on Wednesday night. And I have to tell you, our cousin Jay is never at a loss for words as a broadcaster. You see, we are made for community. We are built for relationships. We are made to live life together. We are made for unity, all cheering together on the same team. We desire friendship and long to be in relationship with each other. And that is why this pandemic has been so very difficult. It has kept us separated and apart from one another way too long. Unfortunately, the gap between the ideal and the real is sometimes deep and wide and even painful. Sometimes teams don't come together. 
Sometimes families fail and friendships falter. Sometimes churches split, not always, but enough so that when we read stories of community, we recognize that we're looking at an ideal that we haven't quite yet reached. We recognize that each of us has enough relational and social pain in a fallen world that we need to come together more than we need to be divided and split apart. And this brings us to Ephesians 2, a chapter that seeks to clearly remind us that it is only in Jesus that we can overcome the divisions that keep us apart. Chapter 2, verse 20 reminds us that we are built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into the holy temple of the Lord. And in him you also are being built together, woven together into the dwelling place for God by his Spirit. Our passage from Ephesians today reminds us that in the universal body of Christ, in order to find unity, we have to recognize three things. We all have the same problem, sin. We all have the same solution, Christ. And we all have the same invitation, the family of God. What's our problem, you might ask? <laughs> For the Gentile Christians, it became an us-versus-them relationship. Paul cuts right to the chase and reminds us that these new Christians, Jews and Gentiles, had the highest contempt for one another. In fact, the hatred that the Jews had for the Gentiles was so immense that the Jews said God created Gentiles to fuel the fires of hell. They referred to Gentiles as dogs, and some Jewish women even refused to help Gentile mothers in the middle of childbirth, because to do so, you see, would be to help bring another Gentile into the world. For many Jews, being Jewish wasn't seen as an opportunity to bring praise and glory to God. Rather, it was a license to detest Gentiles. In 1871, a sign was discovered at the temple in an archaeological dig, which had as its inscription these words, Let no one of any other nation come within the fence or barrier around this holy place. Whosoever will be taken doing so will himself or herself be responsible for the fact that their death will ensue. It was clear by this opinionated sign that if you were a Gentile, you could not get close to God. Billy Graham once said, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. There should be no division when it comes to our salvation. We are one in Christ Jesus. William Barclay writes, the unity which Christ Jesus achieves is not achieved by blotting out all racial characteristics. It is achieved by making all people into Christians or followers of Christ. It, it produces people who are friends with each other because they are friends with God. It produces people who are one because they meet in the presence of God by the way of the cross. The opening hymn this morning was Lift High the Cross. 
the love of Christ proclaim till all the world, till all the world adore his sacred name. That's what we're talking about this morning. That's what it's all about, the unity of the church, the unity in our community, the unity in the world. Yes, all of us have the same problem, sin. All of us have the same solution, Jesus. All of us have the same invitation, family, the family of God. In Ephesians 2, verses 19 through 22, there are two images that come out in Scripture for me. They jump off the page, family and home. Listen to the text again. No longer strangers and aliens, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself, the cornerstone, the whole structure, a holy temple built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. You know, we don't come together each Sunday on the basis of some general commonality. We don't come together because we're of the same generation or we like the same kind of music or we have the same taste and fashion. We don't come together because we speak the same language or because our life experiences are exactly the same. As much as some of those things do bring us together, none of them None of them are essential and the real reason for Christian community and the gathering of the church. We build a home here. We weave our nest with humanity. In a couple of months, the purple martins will return to their nests at the end of my brother Thomas's dock out at Lake Talquin. I think I've told you before that he's known around our neighborhood as the bird man of Lake Talquin. He also cares for the purple martin nest along the greenway. And after January and February begin to turn their eyes towards spring, we will witness the annual homecoming of the purple martins in the panhandle of Northwest Florida. It's truly phenomenal to see the unity of this flock as they build their nest again, as they establish their homes for the spring, as they encourage their fledglings, as they prepare to leave their nest and establish their own families. It is a beautiful annual cycle that brings the entire flock together, encouraging, protecting from predators, sharing life together. It's amazing to see an entire flock of purple martins go after a hawk or an owl who threatens their young. You've never heard such a fierce, unified effort of protection, of caring, of love. As we move toward our Pledge Sunday next week, May we too be intentional in our purpose of supporting this great church and her ministry. May we take our place in these 200 years of history. May we leave no stone left unturned. And may each person do what can, they can, whatever they can, to birth another year of ministry and mission together as we live into our vision 
on the corner of Park and Duval to be a diverse Christian community, shining as a beacon of God's love, actively engaged as the heart, the hands, and the feet of Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen and amen.